happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Getting ready for a Chiefs Week 18 matchup against the Los Angeles Chargers, where we expect to see several key starters sitting, getting ready for the playoffs for the Kansas City Chiefs. But we still got a game to cover and plenty to get you caught up on, so we'll start things out with the Out of Structure podcast discussing their winners and losers as well as the Chiefs resting some starters in week 18. After that, it's Chiefs coast to coast just recapping an impressive win over the Bengals as well as eight straight AFC West titles for the Kansas City Chiefs. After that, we're going to take a quick time out when we get back. We'll catch up with the Great British Chiefs show this week. Rocky Magania filled in for Tom, so him and Brad just dove into this Chargers matchup. Try to get you a little bit of a preview depending on who we see on the field on Sunday. After that, we'll wrap things up with Show and BK, discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball to get a win on Sunday. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. So so let's talk about philosophically. Let, let's take the individual stuff out of it. Let's say as a team, would you rather see your team, the way this season has gone, continue to get tuned up for the playoffs, continue to find that rhythm, or would you rather them get rest, try to get their heads right, Treat it like a bye week. Oh, I'm 100% on the bye week. I think it's this is a blessing, uh, and you know, for the Chiefs that they get to kind of be locked into a, a seat and get the bye week that I think this team kind of needs. They kind of got, you know, they didn't get the latest bye week this year, and I mean, since since their actual bye week, it's been disastrous. I mean, that's really when it kind of turned turned for the worst for the Chiefs. So, you know, maybe that's not a good argument, you know, a good point for my argument. But I think this team could use a, a rest and. Uh, you know, I think a few players may not want to want to hear that. And maybe we want to get out there, but I think the team as a whole could really use the complete week off and, and get ready for the wild card. Yeah, in in general, I would agree with that. I think you know, obviously, you don't want anything to happen to Mahomes. Uh, you'd like to see him get in a good headspace. You'd like to see you know the the offensive line get a little healthier again. They've they've been banged up here and there, um, so I, I think there's an argument to be made for for a lot of, a lot of rest on, on this team, but yeah, there's some individual things to play for and a little hat tip to uh, uh, let's chat chiefs on Twitter. There's three guys out there trying to get to a thousand yards on the season. And at least two of the three would be very historic uh, for, for this team. Do the chiefs get, Give some of these guys a chance to hit those personal milestones. Uh, number one and the biggest one of all of them is Travis Kelsey. He's 16 yards short of his eighth straight thousand yard season as a tight end, and yeah. no other tight end has more than two in their career. If I remember, Greg correctly. Olson got three. Three. Okay. So he's the only other court. Yeah, he's the only other one. So yeah. So yeah, he's a. That's a Hall of Fame number, and to be 16 yards away, that is one. That's one play. Can you yeah. can you put That's one over on the first drive? Right. Try to hit him on on some something designed, get him to a thousand and then get him, get him on the bench. What what do you think about Kelsey? No, honestly, yeah. I, I think really what they could do is just and they and they've done this in like preseason games when they only have one drive. I've seen them do it. It's one it's it's Kel, it's one of Kelsey's favorite plays, but they don't run it a ton because you know it, it can't be run a ton. Fakes the over, pivots back across the grain of the defense. Mahomes is rolling w- one way, and only s- so many quarterbacks can even throw that pass, right? Because it's like it's kind of like across the body, all the way across the field. I think you see something like that just to get him the sixteen yards, because it really is just a chunk play. And, and there's a, a a few different ways to get Kelsey into space. They just got to scheme it up, and I could see them doing it uh, like right off the bat. Well, if it happens exactly like that, I I'll, I'll buy you a beer, Ron. That'd be for, sick for the for the <laughs> prediction there. That's that, that would be incredible. Uh, Rasheed Rice, really one of the stories of the season at this point is obviously everybody's talking about how bad the wide, wide receivers have been. Now all of a sudden you've got one guy that's emerged from that room and it's a rookie. Rookies never emerged from the wide receiver room under Andy Reid. He's already the most successful rookie wide receiver in the history of Andy Reid's head coaching experience. But he's 62 yards away from a thousand yard season. He's also uh, not that far away from passing up Travis Kelsey and leading this entire team in receiving, right. which, is, which was unthinkable prior to the to the season. So he's uh, he's what sixty yards behind uh, by behind Kelsey. 
So in theory, if they sit Kelsey the whole game, if you get Rasheed Rice to a thousand, he probably leads this team in receiving and hits the thousand yard mark as a rookie. He should be right up there with the rookie of the year uh, conversations on the offensive side. It's tough. I mean, you know, obviously we have uh, uh, Texans quarterback CJ Shroud. I mean, he's been he's been good this year, but he got hurt. He did get hurt. Um, and and there's some others uh, off the top of my head um, that I should know and I'm not thinking of. But he's he's up there. He's definitely up there. Uh, he's definitely one of the best rookie receivers. And what I would say is he has a good chance to get this stags because for him specifically, I think he's someone that you may want to keep in a rhythm, even if it's without Mahomes. Just keep him playing, get him his usual snap count. He's a rookie. It's not like he's, you know, the the there is a rookie wall that we all like to maybe consider, but he, it's not like he's been playing full time like he is now throughout the season. Yeah. He's getting into a rhythm now, so he's maybe someone that I would be fine with letting him play even with the subs and maybe getting to that 1,000 yards. That would be a, a cool mark for him. Yeah, of, of the three that we're going to talk about, he's probably the most likely and the most logical to – to play a significant amount of this week 18 game. The one that maybe is least likely is the one that's the most banged up is Isaiah Pacheco had in season shoulder surgery to clean himself up plays like just an absolute maniac was it was just a stud this last week. Uh, Big runs, angry runs, you know, seven catches 130 yards rushing. You know, it was really a, a big game for Isaiah Pacheco this week put it all in the line to help the Chiefs clinch the AFC West. He's 65 yards away from 1,000 yards rushing. The Chiefs haven't had a lot of 1,000-yard rushers over the last couple of years. Uh, this would be a, another nice mark to see them hit. Uh, but do you risk Pacheco's health at this point with, uh, you know, maybe not the most depth behind him anymore? Yeah, this is the one that I think Pacheco could definitely use. Use just another little bye week. I know he actually missed, obviously, you know, a, a recent game or recent games anyway. So it's not like he's been playing, you know, so many games. But, you know, I think he's someone, like you mentioned, with all the, the in-season stuff. Just just let him sit the bench. You know, the, he's had a th- he has a 1,000 total yards. And 65 isn't a guarantee no matter how much you play. Uh, so I, I would That's just – just, just, just chill out, Pacheco. We'll get you your your playoff runs because I mean we're about to get into it. But uh, I think he's going to be plenty featured and get plenty of uh, plenty of yards in the playoffs when it matters more. He absolutely should be. I mean, he's really a centerpiece of this offense at this point. Uh, I think he might even sit Clyde in this in this eight, week eighteen game as well and really focus on getting some of that that further down the line depth available yeah. and, and like in practice. That. You got Ingram, you got P Ryan, you got Prince. There's there's a handful of potential options there that have not seen the field much. So why not block up some stuff for those guys in week week 18 and and see what they can do. Running back is a tough position to play uh, all 17 games. It's one of those that that rarely happens. So uh, I wouldn't be sad to see a little Keontae Ingram and and others in, in week 18. Yeah, I know. I thought we were maybe going to get a little bit of that this week. Uh, but, you know, Pacheco uh, ended up playing. Clyde did not. But, yeah, I, I think I'm with you. It'd be nice to just let them only have the guys that really haven't played yet get some snaps. And, again, McKinnon is on IR, but he can come back for the divisional round uh, potentially if they get, make it that far. That's the first time he can he can come back. So, In case you didn't hear it, I'm over here knocking on wood that there is a divisional round game for him to play in. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a big if. But – but hey, uh, he's been a valuable postseason player in the past, so that that wouldn't hurt uh, either. So I had to do the winners and losers this week uh, as usual. Uh, it was a little bit more fun than previous weeks, yeah, uh, because there were some really good individual performances across the board. We mentioned Rasheed Rice already. That sixty-seven yard catch and run, uh, you know, really showed some nuance in his ability to to understand what the defense is giving him and taking that and, and getting upfield. Shows that he's he can be a deep pass guy as well. He's not just a, a run after catch player and somebody that they can feature all over the field. That's the kind of thing he needs to show to be considered a number one type receiver. And and you know if, I think he's he's on that track right now. Um, you know, obviously, would you love to have a superstar with him as your number two? Sure, but if if Rasheed Rice is your number one and he's doing stuff like that, then. You know, you, you've got a room, you've got a shot. Yeah. 
the thing I liked about his 67 yard reception was it showed him and Mahomes being on the same page chemistry wise. Uh, because if you actually watch it a little closely, the reason why he kind of blows wide open and there's really no one near him once he gets past the corner is it looks like the Bengals corners were playing cover two, which kind of means you want to sink underneath and kind of play underneath a, a vertical route like that. But then you usually have a safety over the top of that deep half kind of helping you. And if you watch that safety bailed the opposite direction, definitely a miscommunication in the Bengals secondary. But what Rice talked about after the game, what Mahomes talked about after the game is, you know, they had to kind of communicate on the fly, kind of, you know, not obviously verbally communicate, but just kind of had to, you know, work, you know, uh, change his route on the fly to make that work. And, you know, it was a nice catch and run. He didn't really have to break stride to catch it. You know, it was, it was over his shoulder. You know, Mahomes put it, you know, that's kind of good to see Mahomes put, you know, a confident throw to him, Rice catch it confidently. You know, those are the kind of throws you know, when, when teams do make mistakes like that, they need to be able to take advantage. And I feel like receivers on this team have not done that this year. Rice <laughs> did that game. Yeah, they made it look easy, and, and that was that was yeah. nice for a change. It's been such a uh, a struggle in the passing game. Uh, and that, that was a play that was like, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. That, that was nice to see. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, again, 130 yards is a career high for him. Also had a career high with seven targets and seven catches. There's pros and cons to that. Uh, <laughs> the fact that he has seven targets, but I loved the the touchdown reception of his. That was a really well-designed play, very well executed. Uh, and again, nice to see him getting involved in the passing game as well. Yeah, I want to break down the red zone or the opening drive touchdown or, uh, a little later, but I will say on his rushing yards and just his two 35-yard runs, he had the nine-yard run to start the game too. The Chiefs offensive line definitely came out and played with more aggression, uh, but also the tight ends I want to shout out. Kelsey had a few really significant blocks to pop a few of those. Noah Gray had a good block down the field on, on the first 35-yard run. Um, it was definitely, an, a, you know, some strong blocking efforts up front, but you see how it, having Pacheco really just gives this run offense a, another level of, of uh, you know, kind of just pop, right, in terms of yeah. – Clyde or maybe even one of the other running backs, maybe those turn into 18 yard runs, 20 yard runs. And it's like, okay, that's exciting. But 35 is, is, you know, that's three first downs, you know, you just mm -hmm. made right. And, and Pacheco really does have that speed to kind of make the most of those. So that's why Pacheco is so important in the run game, being able to make those into 35 yard runs, not just 15, 20 yards. Absolutely. And it's, it is so energizing to see him run and, and the way that oh, he yeah. gets fired up and the way he, you know, pounds the turf, uh, <laughs> Uh, running like he's mad at the grass. Uh, that is a yeah. He, he gets his head down and that yeah. Some people were saying it was cartoon like the way he was running uh, on that long that long play. What? But uh, I I loved every second of it. I also had to give a hat tip to the to the defensive uh, pass rush. Uh, really oh, yeah. closing out the game. This is more of a a second half effort, uh, more so than the first half. But Charles Amenehu has been huge over the last few games and is and is really coming up big he's got a sack in five straight games credited with half a sack this week also knocked down a pass um he's been a, a big part of what they're doing uh, up front uh, along with uh, george Karloftis, who now not only leads the team in sacks he's now in double digits uh for the first time in his career his second season i wasn't sure he'd ever be a double digit sack guy so having him sit at ten and a half already um beating Orlando Brown Jr., old friend, uh, on, on one of those plays. Uh, he had a big game. It is really, you know, looking like the best version of himself uh, as well. Yeah, no, it was a nice pass rush game down the stretch, like you mentioned, in terms of at first it was kind of like, all right, you know, Browning's kind of being able to, to get out of the pocket, kind of get throws off or scramble. You know, they weren't getting home necessarily. But, yeah, as the game wore on, you saw that last drive it was four sacks in a row, like pretty much. Uh, Justin Reed had two, um, which I, your, your next winner is the defensive backs, you know, a bunch of them. You know, I think all the defensive backs had a great game, obviously, teaming up to, to shut down Jamar Chase. But, no, the pass rush, I think, really just wore down that Bengals uh, offensive line. And, and I knew I, – I, I should have put some money on it or something. I knew Carl Loftus was going to get around Orlando at one point just because he's been working yeah. that speed rush this year. He has that dip. And that's what we've always seen Orlando struggle with. It's what Trey Hendrickson, which unfortunately, you know, one of your, you know, we'll, we'll talk about him on the other side. Uh, you know, he can do, he's done against Brown in the past. Carl Loftus gets it done against him. It was kind of cool to see uh, Carl Loftus kind of know what to do and, and, and use the right move to, to get a sack when it, when it was, when it mattered most. Yeah. He wind up super wide. Right. And he came flying around. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's a speed rush. Oh yeah. Uh, 
yeah, that, that was cool to see. Uh, defensive backs, as you mentioned, just played really, really physical ball. Uh, really impressive work out of out of uh, Legere Sneed again, shutting down or, or really limiting a team's number one receiver who has absolutely destroyed the Chiefs in previous years. Uh, to see him, you know, to see him all but shut down Chase, going you know face to face, head to head, you know, blow for blow with him as uh, Chase was trying to start fights the whole game. Uh, Sneed's probably not innocent uh, there either, but those. <laughs> Those guys got after it, and it wasn't just him. You know, really, I thought there were some good plays by Joshua Williams uh, against uh, against Higgins and others. Uh, this defensive back room, you know, has got a lot of a lot of dogs and a lot of a lot of a lot of good players, and and they're playing a really physical brand of football uh, that gives you some hope with the pass rush and the defensive backs playing the way they are. Yeah, no, I mean Sneed. You know, I, I wrote about it last week, but because Trent McDuffie actually said it's like Darrell Revis. And, you know, that's kind of like the ultimate compliment for like a shutdown cornerback. And there's this famous graphic of how many receivers Revis shut down uh, 35 yards or less in that historic 2009 season. And like Sneed definitely does not have the same resume. But I mean, you do look at his his receiving resume this year of guys he's held to the same mark. And it's like, oh, dang, you know, Justin Jefferson, you know, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs. Jamar Chase did get over that 35-yard mark, but just barely. He had 41 yards. Mm -hmm. And so it is just, you know, I think it's easy for, you know, I think you saw some Bengals fans just say, well, he gets doubled. He gets the safety help every time. So, you know, it's obviously, you know, it's easier. You know, I think in past situations, like on third down and like the the crucial moments, yes, obviously he gets that safety uh, over the top and a number one receiver. It's kind of part of the, you know, it's it's just the scheme. He's done it all year, right? Like, hey, we're not going to let you get to your number one target. We're going to trust McDuffie to man up the number two guy. Um, without the safety help. But I think a lot of times in early down and, and neutral situations, I mean, it's just Snead beating Chase up and just not letting him get into his route. You saw the one pass breakup where he kind of, you know, just patient, let him get into his route and just boom. It was a, oh man, that was a great play. Oh, that was beating. awesome. That was, where he just kind of reached and just kind of plucked it out. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah. These games are extremely competitive. And this was a game where on paper, you know, before the season, it looked like this is going to be a heavyweight fight. Coming into it, it's like the Bengals with their backup quarterback. We don't know if Jamar Chase is going to go. We don't know if Legere Sneeze is going to go. Just how competitive this game was and what it meant that the Chiefs were able to right the ship and take the take the win of this one. Yeah, and I think it's ironic that the two years that he named being the most adversity happened to be the two years where Matt Nagy was part of the coaching staff. Is that is that a just a coincidence? You ain't right, man. You, 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 you ain't knew where I was going with that. You, you ain't right. I knew as soon as you started, I knew where you were going. I mean, what a coincidence. I mean, you know, I guess those things just happen. But uh I mean, at the end of the day, I don't like seeing Bucker have to kick six field goals. Obviously, you want to convert some of those into touchdowns, but at the same time, the way this Chiefs defense is playing, the way these games have been going. Points are going to be at a premium in these playoff games. I mean, they're going to be three point, six point type of games. So it's good to have him with his confidence there. I know he missed one against the Patriots and we're like, oh, is this going to be a bad sign? And, you know, maybe it's going downhill now. So he's corrected that. And I, I think you'll continue to see that this week because you're playing indoors in SoFi. Wow, we'll get into that, but about the rest and the guys, but he's going to kick, obviously. So I think you can build on that as well, heading to the playoffs. So it is a good sign. I mean, he made a 54-yarder. That was as long against Cincinnati this past Sunday. Made all his extra points. I don't think he's missed extra point all year, actually. I think he only missed that one field goal against New England, if I'm not missed mistaken. Against the, missed against the Raiders last week. Oh, the Raiders. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like two weeks in a row. We're like, oh, no, what's going on? But, yeah, it's good to see it, man. And how about, you know, that time of year when you see Aaron Ladd on the field after a game bundled up in his best attire. So it's, it's getting that time where it's time to go viral again. So I, I love this time of year for Aaron Ladd. You're sick. <laughs> you really are sick. D-Mac chimes in, says, Buckerhead. Buckerhead. Uh, oh, oh, you too, after uh, Mike Hilton and the boys had their season ended. Uh, 
Joe Burrow was at the game. He seemed a little subdued, and, and you know he grew up a Chiefs fan, so I'm sure he probably feels a little something walking into Arrowhead, no matter what it is. But the fact that he couldn't contribute, I thought it was really interesting. Some of the the video we saw from Kelsey and Chris Jones and stuff right on the field after the game, going up to Burrow saying, "Hey, you know the game misses you. This rivalry misses you." And I still felt like there was a little chippy. I mean, obviously there was still a little chippy. This Legereus Sneed and Jamar Chase going back and forth. And you can tell that when these two teams match up, no matter what, what the circumstances are, if, if Joe Burrow's out there or not, or if it's Jake Browning if, uh, in the going future, I think if Chris Jones and some of those guys are out there, no matter what, these two teams, they've seen each other a lot over the last few years. They've been jawing eye and eye, neck and neck for the AFC. It was fun to get a little spicy again. And uh, we saw it between cornerback one and wide receiver one for these opposing two teams. I'll give you some numbers on LeJarius Sneed, and then we'll hear from LeJarius Sneed as we recap this game, Mark Gunnels. This is from Next Gen Stats on X. LeJarius Sneed aligned across from Jamar Chase on 21 of 34 of his routes, 61.8% allowing two catches for 27 yards on three targets. Chase gained fewer receiving yards than expected for the first time in his five career games against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is what LeJarius needed to say in the locker room about his matchup with Jamar Chase. Any words you have for him on the field or I mean, we had, we had, Yeah, we had some words. You know, I went up to him after the game, told him a good game. But, you know, check the stats. Maybe that's what this, this this defense needs to like understand. Like, yo, it's our team. You know, Pat gets the headlines, Kelsey gets the headlines. But if we're gonna win a Super Bowl this year, it's gonna be on us being able to be chippy, play play dirty, play grimy, understand that the other team is gonna talk, and just let our game do the talking. I thought that's what a uh, Sneed did on Sunday. Yeah, once again, Legarius Sneed locks down number one wide receiver. Color me shocked, Aaron. He's been doing this all season long. He deserves to be an all-pro this year. And he's lining himself up for a very, very big payday. And Brent Veach and company are going to have a big decision to make here in the next couple of months. But we'll, we'll talk about that later down the line, obviously. But at the end of the day, man, I, I think you have probably the best cornerback duo. I know we haven't talked about McDuffie a lot lately. But I think that's kind of a good thing, right? I think corner is one of those positions kind of like, offensive line in a sense where if you don't hear their name too much they're probably doing a really good job they're not being thrown the ball they're not throwing it to their area that much and I think that's what you're seeing with McDuffie as he's locking down number twos from opposing teams as well so yeah man this defense like you said I do think though the offense we know the defense is going to do I think we're at the point now we know they're going to they're going to hold you to probably under 24, 21 points in that range. Can the offense do enough to to carry their own weight? You know, this game, they scored 25, six field goals. Probably could have scored a lot more if you were more efficient. Yeah, you think? But <laughs> but I, did, I do think there were things that we saw that you could hang your hat on uh, moving forward. But back to the defense, Chris Jones got in there a little bit as well. And it's going to be funny this week because a lot of guys have a lot of potential of incentives, but they're probably not going to play. So (laughs) we'll get into that, though. But I was looking it up. I was like, wow, it's crazy how close some of these guys are for like these milestone type of numbers this week. Sir, to pull that if you can, how close some of those guys are to the incentives. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I think Chris Jones. Chris Jones stood out to me though. I think he needs like a half a sack or something to. I, I saw it on X, but I didn't, I didn't like it or save it, but it was something like that. He's like close to getting some type of incentive for sacks. I know Kelsey is close to a thousand as well. To your point about yeah. the Chiefs defense and like we know they're going to hold teams to like this 21-ish window. Like I thought the point of the game that was kind of eye-opening was that bat, like that last couple sequences for Cincinnati, like especially the – the four sack sequence for, for KC, like just think about what this defense could do. If KC does get up double digits, if Patrick Mahomes and the offense find a way to come out the gate and lead 14, nothing instead of being the team 
that trails 17-3 like they were in this instance. This is from Vahe Gregorian, who does great work for Kansas City Star. Against the Cincinnati Bengals, it was the fifth time in the last six games that KC trailed by double digits in the first half alone, Mark. Like, the, I saw the version of the KC's defense at the end of the game where they can just pin their head back knowing that the other team has to throw the ball, is trying to get the ball down the field. The clock is running out. I just wonder what it would be like if KC's defense could play like that for a longer period of time. It just seems like now their pred- their performance is a lot of time ded- predicated on like how well the offense is treading water. Like, is the offense d- down double digits? Do they need a score? Are they trying to stretch the game out? There was a lot of talk on 610 today. Of course, I joined Carrington Harrison on the drive every Tuesday at 2.30, and he talked about they just need to run the ball and play defense now. Like, this is Marty Ball Chiefs all over again, and it's like, Yes, that was successful for Isaiah Pacheco in this one, but I don't know if he's built like that long-term, Mark, to be able to sustain that and drive this team to the Lombardi Trophy through that recipe. Yeah, and if you got to say Marty Ball when Mahomes is your quarterback, that's that's not good. That's that's really bad. You, you do that if your quarterback is like a Baker Mayfield or a Ryan mm. Tannehill. You shouldn't have the resort to that. But at the same time, there does need to be a good balance. And I think they did a good job this week. You know, Pacheco had 18 carries. He averaged almost like 70 yards a carry. Career day for him on the, yeah, on the ground, yeah. Yeah, obviously he had a couple of big ones that boost up the average there. But, yeah, man, I, I think it is some of that. You know, you're not going to go full-fledged Marty Ball, though, when you have Mahomes at quarterback. But there is a fine line. And there was a report that came out hours before kickoff uh, saying that the Chiefs are going to minimize the play. What, what did you think about? What did you think about that? Let, let's be honest here. Let, First of all, hey, I, I didn't put that down on the shot sheet, but like, yeah, go ahead. I always find it funny when these like 6 a.m. reports come out on game day. Like, who's leaking this stuff? First of all, that's my first question. <laughs> like, where is this coming from? And why does it always happen the day of a game? Because remember last year against the Niners that morning when they was like, Pacheco's going to be the starter running back now. Like, that was like the official end of CEH. Remember that? It happened like six hours before the kickoff. Like, it's always fascinating to me when that stuff happens. Like, is there a chatty patty in the locker room that's just texting these guys on the low? Like, hey, man, Andy Reid told us, man, we're going to we're gonna dumb this playbook down, man. And then, all right, let's get it out there. So, but nah, the, back to the general point, though. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense because how often do we hear about how hard it is to learn Andy Reid's playbook and all of that, right? But the funny part is, though, and the thing that I still can't wrap my head around, is it really a playbook issue? Because these are the same guys from last year. And the one guy that's not here from last year is the best receiver. <laughs> it's Rasheed Rice. <laughs> So that's the funny thing to me about this whole dynamic. I mean, obviously, I know it's not the exact same playbook. They add some wrinkles in every single year. Andy Reid, they say they add it every single week or every day, every hour. So it's an ongoing thing. But I think at the end of the day is the ultimate goal is to put guys in the best position to be successful. While, yes, you're this mastermind guy and you have all these crazy ideas, if it's not grasping with these players, then, yeah, dumb it down. Keep it simple. Like, okay, we have these designated plays for you when you're it's in. Week 17. Like that. Week 17, I Mark. I get it. That, that's where I got to push better back late, on this. My better God, late man. than never, right? Like, we, you would have thought that this is something that they would have realized in the bye week. Like, I think for the last month and a half, we've been talking about this team needs to pare down their offensive rotation. Too many guys, too many routes, not enough guys who are producing. Like, we've been talking for the last month of this podcast about Rice, Kelsey, and Pacheco being your three guys, and the majority of the offense and the production needs to come through them. Like, that report coming out the morning of a Week 17 game, was almost tongue-in-cheek it was like oh the national media is just now realizing that the Kansas City Chiefs only have three offensive weapons like thank you for choosing (laughs) turning into Chiefs football for the first time in like three months like I just thought that that was so that was just so silly like I don't think the Chiefs can really disguise who they are either it's like you can try and dumb down or pare down or trim or whatever adjective you want to give to what this team is having to go through offensively over the last few weeks like Teams at this point in time know who you are and how to stop it. 
And now you're going to start running into the teams who are better than you from a talent perspective. So like, it's not, it's not just being able to like disguise the concepts. Like you got to execute. And in this last game on tape against the Bengals, they didn't execute in the key areas. They executed within the twenties, which is something they've been doing all year, which is why their yards per game numbers are where they are. But the reason why their points per game numbers are where they are and their scoring is down from last year to this year is because they're not executing in those money areas. That's not something that you can disguise or change by trimming up the playbook. The plays are the plays. And shout out to our guy, Steven Serta in the private chat. Chris Jones needs half a sack and he'll get an extra $1.25 million. He's at 9.5 sacks in the year. That seems like a good reason to play on on Sunday in L.A. Let's put a good bow on the Cincinnati game with this guy. This guy who uh, we haven't had a topic on him. We've talked about the wide receiver room, but I don't know if we specifically said Marquez Valdez Scantling on, on this podcast in a minute. Yeah, another crucial drop. I, I don't They ended up winning. Yes, that looked like a play that he could have scored on. But MVS goes one catch on three targets for three yards in the 25 to 17 win over Cincinnati. And I think what rubbed people most like prickly, what made people most anxious and mad and angry, because now we're seeing a full turn. Like people have been like, I don't know if people were like maybe with him, but like they weren't like full out. Like now there's nobody, there's nobody zagging. Everybody is zigging on MVS. They want him cut, they want him out. And I think part of it is because he gave Mahomes like this awkward like hand gesture after this drop that yeah. to a lot of people made it seem like he was showing up Mahomes and telling him where to put the ball. And because the ball was behind him, he was not able to catch it and make a play on the ball. This is a guy who let's add a little more context before we, we jump into this. He has had a few run-ins with media in the locker room recently. He hasn't been the easiest guy to kind of warm up to through some of these struggles. A lot of times, players, I mean, players go through struggles at all levels of professional sports. Marquez Valdez Scantling is not is not alone in that or unique to that. Like fans have been brutal to players going through slumps throughout the history of time and will continue to. But it feels like ever since that Eagles game and that Eagles drop, Mark Gunnels. The arrow has continued to go down and down game after game for MVS. And this one right here added another just what feels like rock bottom to the relationship that he has with Mahomes. Yeah, that was not a good look at all. And actually, the most famous Chiefs fan in the media, Nick Wright, you see his tweet about it? (laughs) Read it for us. His post on X. Yeah, well, his post on X. Yes. (laughs) Nick Wright said, MVS trying to show Mahomes up after that drop because the throw was slightly behind him is more infuriating than 10 drops combined. Patrick has been covering for their wide receivers all year, including MVS drop against Philly. That's benchable for MVS, in my opinion. Do you agree? Do you I think do. MVS should be benched? Do you think it's time to just go ahead and give up on the Marquez Valdez Scantling? Uh, the numbers and Todd Palmer does a lot of great work for Forty One. Did did the digging? I think they could save two million dollars if they just if they part ways this offseason. Do you think they should just go ahead and do that now ahead of the playoff run, or is he somebody you have to grin and bear it with until the offseason hits? I'm not saying fully bench him like you don't play at all, but his snaps need to come down tremendously in this game against the Bengals he was still second amongst all the receivers and snaps with 38 Rice only had four more at 42 Richie James a guy that we kind of been clamoring to see a little more of only had 12 snaps Justin Watson had 24 and then Ross had seven and McCole Hartman only had five I didn't know he even played at all <laughs> I even know he even played I was actually kind of surprised he didn't get a little more run than that Maybe this week, since maybe guys are going to be resting, you see a lot more McCole Hardman. But 38 snaps for MVS at this point, it's inexcusable. It really is. I quickly rushed to the Todd Palmer post on X. For those wondering, the Chiefs can save $12 million against the cap with $2 million in dead money if they cut MVS rather than bring him back for the final year of his contract. 
in Kansas City. As the wide receiver room turns, features MVS this week. I'm sure it'll feature someone else next week. I'm kind of like you on McCole Hardman. I don't understand why not throw him in the mix a little bit more unless, like maybe we've said in the past, he already occupies a role that someone else is fitting currently. They have enough gadget guys, in, or McCole is not doing something that someone else can't already do on the roster. It, it feels like, and it was a hat and t-shirt game, so we saw the the, the units celebrate and that picture of the Chiefs wide receiver unit, it, it's just like, it, it's its going to be captured in time forever because I wonder, it's like four months later how different this room will look. And this is a team that could still potentially play for a Lombardi trophy. I'm not ruling them out of that. I, I don't think it happens, but it's just wild to think that they could still win Sunday, be 11-6, and six, be the three seed, and potentially make a run, Mark. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, welcome back to the Great British Chief Show with Brad and Rocky. So, we're going to preview the LA Chargers with the Chiefs, and uh, it's going to be one of those games that it could be an early night for me over here. <laughs> it's, not, it's not going to be one of those games I'm really looking forward to because nothing really much is going to happen. It's going to be a bit of a damp squib kind of game for me. The Chargers have really been inefficient all year, and they've they're sitting very much rooted to the bottom of the AFC West right now. That ain't going to change. Um, they've clearly lost out on having Justin Herbert for the last few games, but would he made it, have made a difference? Who knows? But uh, they've got, obviously, the Eastern Stick guy who is really kind of uh, holding the fort. He's doing okay. He's doing, you know, he's doing quarterback things, but it's not leading to wins. And the Chargers right now are pretty much what we've come accustomed to. Would you say, Rocky? I mean, they're a little bit less than what we've been accustomed to. We've, we've at least been accustomed to a, to a team that, that's expected to win and then doesn't meet expectations. They're so beat to hell right now that, I mean, I don't think they're expected to win any game they go into right yeah. now. I mean, Easton's stick is as effective as an actual stick in, in, uh, lining up behind center. Like, like it's, it's, it's a hard act to follow, you know, coming in for Justin Herbert, but – He's not anything to write home about, right? He's not going to win you games in the NFL. Keenan Allen and Joshua Palmer are both questionable still. You know, they're supposed they're both banged up. You got Mike Williams on IR. Uh, Zion Johnson, their left guard, is banged up. Uh, I mean, they're just a, Corey Corey Lindsley's also out. Both are out it's, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's there's a there's a lot of guys. On this team, yeah, Joey Burris is still those guys are already well. on the beach, they're already on the beach, aren't they? Yeah, those guys are already looking forward to next year and <laughs> their uh training regimen in Hawaii doing the old Alex Smith thing, holding the boulder underwater <laughs> while they run, right? Um, like 
These guys are already packed it in. They don't have a head coach. They don't have a GM. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have any wide receivers. Like, I know the Chiefs are going to rest their starters in this one. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they play Travis Kelsey just long enough for him to get, was it 16 yards, I think, that he needs? Yeah. Something like that to get his 1,000 yards to keep the streak going. Um, I don't know if they're going to play Rashi Rice long enough for him to hit a thousand or, you know, Isaiah Pacheco long enough for him to hit a thousand. Um, because I think that because they're both so young that they're not, they don't have streaks that the chiefs need to value at yeah. this point to keep alive. If, if Kelsey would have found a way to get 30 yards receiving last week and, and got, and, and got his thousand yards, he wouldn't be playing in the game either. So I think you're going to see a lot of guys who you might not necessarily have seen this year, um, I think you might see a generic Prince get elevated um, to the active roster maybe this week, and he might get he might get some snaps. Uh, just kind of depending upon the overall health of the running backs, it's it's going to be a boring game to watch, and that's what you like to see because that means that all your starters are resting, everybody's going to be healthy, and you're going to have your full complement of weapons when it actually matters. I feel like this week 18 matchup is going to be another Pro Bowl. That's what, that's what I feel. It's just going to be, you know, going through the motions. Like you said, get Kelsey's yards, 16 yards for his eighth consecutive 1,000-yard season. That's the kind of thing that we're looking at in this game. Pacheco as well, 65 yards to reach his 1,000. 62 yards for Rice. I mean, you could do them. You could probably play them maybe the first quarter or the first half maybe just to see if they can actually reach those totals. It would be nice to see. It would be not, it, Obviously, for them as well, for their own kind of uh, achievements, it'd be something that they'd like to uh, to achieve themselves. And they're probably, you know, giving Andy Reid so many fleas in the ear that he wants to, uh, you know, they, they want to play and they want to make those yards. But we've got to play the long game here, haven't we, as well? Because we, we do have an extra game we've got to play in the playoffs. That'll be obviously the thing that's on the back of the, uh, Andy Reid's mind. He doesn't want to get the likes of Pacheco or Rice injured or Kelsey for that matter. Um, but it's that fine balancing act as a, as a head coach, isn't it? You want to be the guy that you want to be the head coach that really kind of helps the players along and they start respecting you. I mean, how much can you respect Andy Reid? Can you even respect him anymore? Who knows? I mean, he's you know he's highly respected by a lot of the uh, the players that we see anyway. But to let those new players get that, you know, that achievement, that accolade that they 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 so desperately want, um, it it does matter to them. But I don't know. It's going to be a bit of a fine balancing act, isn't it? It really is, and especially with a guy like Rashi Rice, where he's already had more receiving yards than any rookie wide receiver in an Andy Reid system. Like no, like he passed Deshaun Jackson for the most receiving yards by a rookie on an Andy Reid team. Mm. Uh, he has more touchdowns than any Chiefs rookie in history. You know, so he's he's already gotten all these accolades and kind of he's stacking up a pretty good resume for this year. But there's something about that 1,000-yard mark in people's minds, right? Like, yeah. you think about, did, is this guy an elite receiver? You, you look at his stats, and what do you start looking for? you start looking for four-digit numbers. Mm. And you say, okay, how many 1,000-yard receiving seasons does he have? Same with running backs. How many times did he hit 1,000 yards in his career? And even even when it comes down to things like Hall of Fame voting, right, they they, they start counting 1,000-yard seasons and, and Pro Bowls and all these things. Um, so these things do matter to guys. If it's just something as simple as, like, he has a bonus incentive if he hits, you know, seven sacks in a season and he's sitting at six and a half and you want to sit the guy for God's sakes, just pay the bonus and sit the guy then. Right. You know, if it comes down to something like that, right. You know, if it's something where, you know, like Chris Jones is, if he's sitting on the edge, I haven't looked at his stats recently, but if there's a bonus, he is, is his, we know that his contract is so bonus laden. If there's a, uh, if there's, if he's sitting on the edge of a bonus and he could possibly get in this game, especially against a beat up, Chargers team and just say, Chris, we'll give you the money. Just, just stay healthy. Mm, right. We yeah. don't want to risk you. And that's something that that's a decision the chiefs would have to make. Um, if they're going to do that, it would be kind of a, a shady and like, you know, it's within their rights, but kind of grimy. If a guy is say 
one sack away from a $500,000 bonus. And you say, nah, we're going to sit you this last game <laughs> and not give him the opportunity to go out there and make his money. Right. Yeah, and so, and so if you want to rest these guys, do it. But if they're on the verge of, of something, of gaining something financially by, and they're going to lose, and, and, and they're going to lose that by playing, by not playing in the game, then you should probably say, okay, we're going to do the right thing and going to pay that out anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks bad on the organization, doesn't it? As a whole, really on the franchise, if, if, you are holding back players like that. And it's going to stop players wanting to come to you because, you know, if you stop Chris Jones getting his, his you know, sack uh, bonus or anything like that, then it does look bad for any incoming players that come in and thinking, well, how are they going to do that to me next time? Um, so you've got to at least give them a chance, even like, like I said, a quarter or even a half, just to say, look, we want to keep you healthy for the playoffs, but also we understand you really kind of want this as your own personal achievement or it's a bonus achievement that you want. You've got to really kind of give them that 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 kind of rope to, you know, really go out and, and do something with it, don't you? You know, you've got to give them the, just enough length of the rope just to go out there and go and do the thing and get their accolades, get their achievements. Yeah, and just to be overtly clear also, like we haven't heard anything where like the Chiefs are planning on withholding guys so they don't have to pay on their bonuses. Like it's nothing like that. We're just speaking hypothetically that if there's guys on the roster who can make money in this game, then let them go out there and get their money or just yeah. give them the money. Um, but yeah, no, it will like like news travels fast. The NFL is a brotherhood. If if the Chiefs aren't giving guys opportunities to go out there and get those accolades and holding them back for the playoffs, it could be something down the line that that players take into consideration. The same way that it could be the players down the line could be taken into consideration that if because of Patrick Mahomes' massive contract, if you're drafted by the Chiefs, you you might not ever get a second contract with them, mm-hmm. right? Like we see that Mike Dan is probably going to walk. Willie Gay's probably going to walk. Will they be able to retain Legereus Sneed? We don't know. We don't know what his asking price is going to be. But if he's asking for a top tier, we're talking $20 million plus a year for a cornerback with Patrick Mahomes' contract with – the money we're already paying Joe Tooney and Jawan Taylor and Travis Kelsey and Justin Reed. You can only have so many big contracts on one NFL roster, right? And so because of the financial constraints of having the best quarterback in the history of the game, it could down the line develop into something where players, when they get drafted by us, say, okay, I'm going to ball out for my first contract and then go get paid somewhere else. And that puts a lot of strain on the front office to start hitting and draft picks. Right. So, I mean, all hypotheticals at this point, but it's all definitely within the realm of possibility as well. Yeah, exactly. I know. I appreciate we've not said much about the charges in this because uh, I mean, I don't see anything really happening from the charges. I mean, we've seen them in the last four games. They've really not really brought anything to the table. I mean, when you look at the stats as well, the comparison stats with the teams, um, you know, points against per game, um, the Chiefs are third, points against obviously their defense is probably one of the best in the league right now the Chargers is 25th um and also when you look at the total passing yards or total yards per uh, against per game the Chiefs are like second and the Chargers are 29th um and a lot of that I mean it, it does seem as though the, the strength from the Chargers is actually in the run defense because the rushing yards against per game is 16th the Chiefs is 17th so um but when you look at the passing yards against the against per game Chiefs are second. The Chargers are 30th in passing yards against per game. So you've really got to air it out against them, haven't you? You do. But also, this is why you don't start Patrick Mahomes in this game and you let Blaine Gabbert just start. You let you let, you let let Air Gabbert go out there and air <laughs> it out. Um, because, because, like, last thing you want to do, they still have Khalil Mack. He still has 16 sacks this year. He's still going to be going against probably Jawan Taylor or, you know, Wanya Morris. Like, those are not good matchups. Whoever, like, like the, the Chargers may still get, you know, four sacks in this game against Gabbert, and three of those may be Cleo Mech. So the last thing you want to do is, is, is get Patrick's leg rolled up, you know, yeah. in, in week 18, which is why you sit him. Um, and so, yeah, you go out there and you air it out. But then also, Cleo Mack may be thinking, all right, well, then I can just pin my ears back this whole game 
and I might be able to get 20 sacks in this game against against these tackles. You know, I'll make 20 <laughs> sacks on the season. I might go in and get four sacks in this game and finish the season with 20 sacks. Um, and so, yeah, it's there's not a whole lot to talk about because there's not a whole lot of players in this game. I mean, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, especially and, and like you no, said with the with the Chargers as well. It just it does seem they're really banged up, and um, I just think the way that they've they've really kind of checked out of this season already, haven't they? Well, yeah, wouldn't you? You got nothing to play for. You got no leadership. You know, um, I mean, really, at this point, you're just you're playing for for draft position. You hopefully the Chargers. The worst thing the Chargers could do is go out and win this game, right? It's this. Because, it'd be the Charger thing to do, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're probably gonna. I mean, literally, this game is probably gonna end ten to nine, and the Chargers are gonna win. Austin <laughs> Eckler's gonna have a rushing touchdown, and then they're gonna have a field goal, and Harrison Bucker's gonna have three, three field goals, and the Chiefs are gonna lose by one point to end the season, and it's not gonna matter. Um, and they'll dine that's out. Exact, and, the Chargers will dine out on that. That's what they'll oh. do. <laughs> oh, Chargers Twitter will be unbearable. Um, Chargers social media, they they have a if you're not following Chargers social media, like the team on Twitter or X.com now, uh, you should. They are they they may be one of the worst teams in the NFL, but they have the best social media team working for them. And they have oh, they're brilliant. so yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're great. Really so they'll probably, you know, they'll find some way to flex on a 10-9. Week 18 victory where nobody's playing. So is that your prediction then? I was going to go straight to predictions, but is that your prediction? Are the Chargers going to win this? I'm predicting. <laughs> I'm predicting the Chargers win 10 to 9. Look for that. Look for my very in depth blurb on Arrowhead Pride in the prediction column on why <laughs> on why the Chargers are going to win 10 to 9. <laughs> well, I've actually gone something similar, but I've gone Chiefs 17, Chargers 9. So we're both looking at this not being a high-scoring game because of the reasons we've given. The Chiefs are not really bothered about it. The Chargers aren't really going to be up for it anyway because they're so banged up and they're obviously looking for draft position. Um, so it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's probably going to be over by about half-time maybe. We can go to bed or go to sleep. Over here we can, over in the UK anyway. We can have an early night um, and just enjoy ourselves um, and just look forward to the playoffs. Um, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. If this was just a good conference, and I know people are going to bring up the Ravens, and like we'll get into that, but um, I, if this was a if there was a great team that had a playoff pedigree, like if the Bengals this year had Joe Burrow and were playing well defensively, I'd be like, all right, you know what, it is what it is. They're just not going to do it this year. They're they're not going to be able to go up and beat that team. I can't point to that team and so every time they show you glimpses like they did on Sunday where it's like okay like maybe they've got a bit of an identity here maybe they can win this way you like convince yourself oh this could work because of how bad everything is around them and so that's that's kind of where I'm at it's, it's this terrible I'm, relationship dude it is incredibly toxic I'm gonna tell you right now um and I've I feel that I've got more surprises here um and I've got a pretty good track record on this show. And I feel good about it. I'm going to go with another guarantee, folks. I don't know if you remember last year. I made a solid guarantee in which you all wanted to just stop don't it. Do that. Don't do that with this team. Stop it. I told you and I guarantee <laughs> you. Just you told me not to, failure with you this told me not to do it. I guarantee you this team last year was going to win the Super Bowl. And everyone talked about these mythical curses and you gave me that same gritty little look that you have right now. I am guaranteeing you that this team gets to the conference finals. Now, I don't know what is going to happen. I don't know what is going to happen once they get to the AFC championship game. But for the sixth straight year, the AFC championship game will include the Kansas City Chiefs. I feel really good about what I saw on Sunday. I feel a lot better about I'm really actually surprised how I feel about this. And if you know me, you know that I don't just have a Homer take or a Homer thing on this deal. This is just what I really believe. To go with what you've said, BK, you know, even with the Ravens, there's no there is no powerhouses. Like the the Chiefs have beaten some of these teams or lost to some of these teams 
like they have beaten Jacksonville, beaten Miami, lost to Buffalo. And in all three of those games, they have made a multitude of mistakes that that made either the games a lot closer than they should have been or caused them to lose. Right. Like they lose to Buffalo and they've made they made a good nine to 12, just ridiculous, self-inflicted on their own mistakes um, throughout the team. And they did it with Jacksonville and Miami and still won those games. Now, Baltimore, like you got to get one game where you get pure greatness and that might be that game. Although I don't know at Baltimore. I've watched Baltimore play some games this year where the the corpse of Deshaun Watson was able to beat them in the second half. The corpse of Matthew Stafford was able to keep them in a game in overtime if they didn't have some sort of punt return for a touchdown in the rain, got them a win. I'll just say, Sunday's game against the Bengals, there were some frustrating things out there. You kick six damn field goals, (laughs) it's an issue. But the formula was shown. And the most real formula, not not the Raiders where they were down and the offense came back and had a heck of a second and third and fourth quarter, which I don't think is sustainable, but they got to 25 points. Uh, It took them to get there in a frustrating way by just being ridiculous in the red zone multiple times. And a few times, Patrick Mahomes annoying me by not allowing plays to develop a few times, obviously MVS dropping what should have been a touchdown pass. A few times the rush getting there too quick, right? There are a few things that stopped him, but I love the mindset of we're going to come away with points. We're going to come away with points. And I did see a change of thought from the play caller and the quarterback. Now, some of it was to a fault, I think, with uh, with Andy and Pat. Like The, the last drive they scored a, t- they scored the, a field goal on, if he just waits a tick and there was no pressure, you've got Kelsey really at the goal line for what's either a first down or a touchdown. There were plays like that where I think they'll get used to it. They make the one mistake, right? I said, I've, I've got to the point where I'm not even asking you not to make mistakes. Can you just minimize them bad boys? And they minimized them in a big way where the one mistake made this game closer than it would have been, right? If you don't get the fumble, um, the, the fumble and, and set them up with a short field. This is a, you know, 25-10, 25-13 game. And that's the formula. Just get, can you get to 21? And they got to 25. And Jack, with this defense, if they get to 25 without shooting themselves in the foot, in the feet, multiple times in the game, they got a chance to beat anybody in this conference. And that was a that was to me a positive thing to see the real formula of this team and then to call and play towards it. I think so too. And I think it was complimentary football for the first time yep. maybe all season long. Like you look at their drive chart, man, and let's just go through this real quick. Touchdown on the opening drive. Huge. You finally are playing from ahead instead of trying to come back early on. Now they eventually did have to come back, but At least they get out early with a lead. Then you have that terrible fumble on the sack strip, and that sets up the scoring drive for for Cincinnati. But after that, field goal, field goal, punt, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, victory formation. They failed to score on two of their drives when the game was in question. That's huge. That's absolutely massive to just be able to finish drives that way. And what that allows you to do is to pin Cincinnati deep. Cincinnati started a drive beyond their own 25-yard line, Ron, once in the entire game, and it was coming off of that sack strip. Other than that, 25, 25, 25, 25, 17, 25, 25, so on and so forth. Like, they consistently had to drive 75 yards for a touchdown. Against this Chiefs defense, that is a formula for success. And far too often this season, they get stuck in their own end, go three and out, punt, the opposing team gets it at their own 40 because of a good return, and now suddenly you only got to drive 60 yards for a touchdown and like 30 yards for a field goal. That's not good enough. You're not setting yourself up for success on the defensive side of the football, and this team now has an identity. Their identity is we have a really good defense that can go up against whoever it is that you put up against us, and 
even if we don't shut them down completely, because I'm not sure there's any defense in the NFL that's doing that on a consistent basis anymore, we're going to make it really hard on them to be able to score. And so just lean on that. Lean on that. And I'm the most aggressive person you might meet, Ron, when it comes to going for it on fourth down. Not with this team. No, you just got to take the points. You got to change your mindset and sort of, even with the points they took, and the thought is just if one of those field goals are flipped to a touchdown, you know, if just one of them, this is a completely different game, which they're capable of doing. But even with those six field goals, sort of, it still allowed them in the fourth quarter to build up enough of a lead that forced the Bengals to have to play right in their hands. And then here comes the sack barrage. And they just can't, they can't block those guys and those pressures that Spags comes up with. And even field goals allowed the Chiefs to be able to do that. And we were talking about that a little bit earlier in the game because early in the game, the Chiefs were just rushing for, not really getting a lot of pressure. Browning was just cooking them with his legs and his mobility. And like you're talking about, it's like, I, I kind of want to buy that Spags is just saving things for like key moments and for the postseason. And that's why we're seeing a lot of these like slow starts from them recently where they're just kind of running like vanilla type stuff compared to the early season blitz packages and things that we were seeing. And then in the fourth quarter, it was like a totally different ball game. <laughs> like it was just it was just, yeah, just go out there and and just totally destroy the offensive line and sack him. And they, that's absolutely what they did. It was incredible to see that. And. I'm always team go for it on fourth down too, especially when you're in the red zone and it's like fourth and two, fourth and three, like go for it. Especially when the chiefs offense was rolling, like when they were actually moving the football and they got stopped short of the end zone on a fourth and three and they settled for the field goal. And I was like, man, I just, I, I want them to put the ball in Patrick Mahomes hands, but I am now at the point where I agree with you, Ron, like just take the points because we've seen this team mess it up too many times this season. And I, I don't like being there because I still want the ball to be in Patrick Mahomes' hands and I still want them to score touchdowns, but that's who they are now. Like, we we have to accept that, and that is what they can find success with in the playoffs, so it's what they have to do moving and, forward, and I'm just going to have to sit down and shut up when it comes to going forward on fourth and short. And, and in the moment, I was frustrated, but because there were, like, you and you can see in that game, Mahomes played to that. There was there were third downs when they were in field goal range. If you go look at some of those third downs that they didn't pick up, he's getting that ball out quick. And like there was some Alex Smith in to where you're like, well, like a couple of times. Well, damn man, that you didn't even throw the you didn't you didn't give a chance for anybody to get past the sticks, and you didn't even throw it anywhere. Like there was no chance for this to be a first down. And and I think they'll probably work through that some more, but. You look up, and I look up, and I'm like, and they got 25 points. And had the Bengals not had a short field, I mean, they, I mean, you, you, they gave up 10-ish points, right, in that. Now, I mean, they could have held them to a field goal, but they gave up 10-ish points in that. So, I listen, I'm not saying that this is a team where I'm, I'm feeling 100% great about my guarantee two years in a row is right completely last year. Uh, but I did feel better about actually seeing the formula laid out in a game that they had to have. And Ron, I think a big part of that offensively was just Isaiah Pacheco was great. Like that, that dude yep. put the team on his back and you got him the ball in as many ways as possible. And he found a way to make good on it. 18 carries for a buck 30 on the ground. Ended up having uh, seven receptions for 35 yards through the air. Like, get him the ball. Let's see what he can do from there. And that's got to be the formula in the playoffs as well. It's scary because you don't have Tyreek Hill and prime Travis Kelsey the way you once did. And so you're relying on a lot of unknowns and a lot of things where you're like, man, is, is this a formula that can work in the postseason? Think back to the 2018 Patriots, Ron. I think that's basically the formula that the Chiefs are going to have to take into this postseason, where the Chiefs had that high-flying offense and everybody's counting out the Patriots, including myself, because like, yeah, are they really going to do this with solid but not spectacular defense and Sony Michelle? Like, that's the way they're going to get to the Super Bowl and then a couple of plays here and there by the old classics with Gronk. The answer was yes. They found a way to do it. And they had Bill Belichick just coming up with these crazy game plans. And 
I think that that has to be the formula for the Chiefs is to follow what the Patriots did in 2018. And, and to go to that point is I I don't think the Chiefs can consistently put up big numbers like we're used to. But I think they can I think they can still be capable of doing what they did to the Chargers the first game, doing what they did to the to the Raiders. I think they are if you tell me like we got to get one of these games where we score thirty four. I, I yeah. still think they're capable of doing that. Just like the the, the like oh. you look at that that Patriots team you're talking about. They had to score, and they did it against the Chiefs. That was the game where they had to score. Now they come back and score thirteen to win the Super Bowl or whatever. But that game they had to score, and Edelman and you had to get plays from Gronk when you had to. This group maybe not now this team. But that's the thing is they don't got to score 35 or 31 every time. Hell, 21 will win some of these. They beat the Dolphins with 17, and they only scored 10 of them. So, like, I mean, there is – or 14 – they only scored 14 of them. They got them with 21. So, it is – I still think a a one time they can they can, can can come back and score big if they need to. And you mentioned Isaiah Pacheco, like – the Chiefs didn't really have a choice in this game because McKinnon was out and Clyde was out. But, like, I feel like this is the first time all season where they were like, okay, he's a true bell cow running back. And they deployed him that way, and you saw what he could produce. And, like, he's a little bit banged up right now. I don't expect him to play this weekend, let him get healthy for the playoffs. But like, let's see that moving forward. I don't care if Jarek McKinnon's even active activated ahead of the playoffs. I think he can be activated after the wild card round if the Chiefs are available. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. have that up in front of me. I think that's right. But, like, Jarek McKinnon has looked slow this season. He hasn't been great. They haven't really had a lot of success with him. Clyde's had his moments. But Isaiah Pacheco's the best running back on the team. Let's see him deployed that way. Let's see him get 20-plus touches a week because he's obviously one of the best offensive players you have. 